for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters. Modern Talk. And the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster, Monster Kid, Kid Radio. Well, hello, hello, and welcome a podcast, but a podcast with a different distinction. It's me, off the cuff, talking about everything that I love artistically. Usually, it will be segregated to literature, novels, books. And films, but not only that. It may be a time where I talk upon cultural things, most specifically within the art medium. Whether it's movie news, book news, culturally, what's going on. It's literally a podcast about a man on his own, staring at the four walls and just thinking, "What am I?" It's not a rot. It's an articulate warbling. Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I'm your host and editor, producer, D.B. Spitzer. Today we're going to be talking about Beowulf or Anglo-Saxon sonnets or something dealing with uh, Old English. So stay tuned uh, or check the show notes and find out specifically what we're going to be talking about. If you want to keep the show going, help support the show, help uh, help keep it on the air, uh, why not go to pgttcm.podbean.com and become a member of our patrons. Also, look out for upcoming projects. We always have something going on. Become a member of one of our cults, uh, the t-shirt cult, the sticker cult, the... Uh, I don't know. You know, hey... Um, also, you could support us by going to paypal.me slash pgttcm or just telling people about us or supporting us and being our friends on social media, Instagram, Black Clock Audio Tales, uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Black Clock Audio Tales on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't do much with it occasionally. I do stuff, but hey, that's about it. So here we go with some Anglo-Saxon, Old English, talkity stuff. Sonnets 39 to 47 39 Among the Anglo-Saxons, land held in common was designated by the names of Mark and Gar, or Shire. The smallest of these common divisions is the Mark or March, Mira. The next in order to the private estates or allods of the Markman, as its name denotes, it is something marked out or defined having settled boundaries. It is the plot of land on which a greater or lesser number of free men have settled for the purposes of cultivation and for the sake of mutual profit and protection, and it comprises a portion both of arable land and pasture in proportion to the numbers that enjoy its produce. Kemble's Saxons in England The Markman's Cottage, 1. Mending his hunting spear before the fire, the Markman sits while at her graceful task his young wife plies the wheel, 
before them bask on the warm hearth the staghound stained with mire from the day's chase for none then dared inquire of the free saxon why he roamed the woods and tracked the wild deer to its solitudes it was a right bequeathed him by his sire i hear a voice she says and bends her head yet listening as she whispered hearken thou is it the demon calling up the dead to walk the earth awhile upon her brow cold drops were gathering when before them stood a form as wild as goblin of the wood forty it was about the year nine eighty one that the icelanders discovered greenland eric the red being condemned to banishment on account of a murder he had committed fitted out a vessel and told his friends he would go and seek the land which one gumbian said he had seen his son lice afterwards discovered vinland or america the account of the discovery of vinland was committed to writing eighty years before columbus visited iceland to obtain nautical information the markman's cottage too it was a wearied man and that gave claim to ask for human sympathy and aid fresh faggots on the smouldering fire were laid the board was spread and by the mounting flame the stranger's face is scanned and then his name country and errand asked he tells the tale of the red eric whom the stormy gale of northern regions could not daunt or tame the tasks are put aside the busy wheel ceases its humming and the unfinished spear rests upon the floor and closer to him steal his listeners as he tells the wild career of the old northmen whom the ocean bore first on its icy waves to greenland's shore forty one as early as six hundred and ninety two missionaries left england to teach the pagan nations of the continent in that year willebrad and eleven companions with him went to heligoland and friesland in seven hundred and fifteen boniface preached to the thuringians and hessians and besides others adalbert son of a king of the northumbrian kingdom of dera in seven hundred and ninety went to germany for the same purpose true workers forth from their homes they went a simple band to toil in heathendom no cumbrous plan fettered the movements of the earnest man faith had he in his soul and in his hand and needed not to work what others planned it is a living soul and not a thing of mechanism to which hearts will cling or that to life can rouse a dying land there is more power in one deep truthful word one honest noble deed than in all schemes that men have planned whose hearts no faith has stirred more power in one great poet's glorious dreams than in a thousand systems hard and cold that but the mortal not the man unfold 42 egbert was left early to the care of his mother his father being dead his talents excited the fears of the reigning king of wessex and egbert was obliged to seek refuge in exile he went to Charlemagne, with whom he remained some years, diligently improving the advantages that a residence at the Frankish court afforded. His sisters were sent to the continent to be educated, and there they became nuns. The Mother of Egbert 
"'Twas a rude pile, although a noble dame called it her home, "'upon the Kentish shore, sheltered by hills "'that ever hear the roar of ocean waves it stood. "'There the same, those hills and waters, "'changed alone in name since that sad mother in her silent hall "'watched on the rush-spread floor the shadows fall, "'and murmured low her absent children's name. "'My hearth is dreary as my heart is lone, "'for all are gone that made my pleasant cheer. "'Some convent cells, and one the churchyard stone "'have covered up from life, "'and thou, so dear because the last, "'art now in exile gone, "'and my eyes ne'er shall look thy face again upon.' 43. When Egbert, after three years of exile, was called to fill the throne of Wessex, he governed with great ability and moderation, and it was more by the influence of his mind than the force of arms that he ultimately became sole king of the West Saxons. He was the most distinguished of all their monarchs before Alfred the Great, but there does not seem any proof that he was ever denominated king of all England, as sometimes asserted. He began to reign in 800, and died 836. Egbert Before his powerful genius had bowed down the Saxon princes, and he reigned alone, gathering around the yet unsettled throne the wisest of the land. Years ere the crown begirt his thoughtful brow, fate's adverse frown had driven him forth an exile. But the strong can wring a good from suffering, e'en from wrong, and Egbert, wanderer through each land and town of ancient story or of rising power, learned lessons that, within his native isle, no books had ever taught him, and no hour of silent study in the cloistered pile. By years of toil, as well as days of thought, must the perfection of the soul be wrought. 44. Ethelwulf, succeeded his father Egbert in 836. He had been a monk and left the cloister to ascend the throne. He had a mild disposition, but was of inferior abilities. He possessed, however, in Alston, Bishop of Sherborne, a great and wise minister who had been the friend of his father Egbert and who had the rare fortune to enjoy his preferment for fifty years. Ethelwulf, while a monk, appears to have lived in the monastery at Winchester. Ethelwulf leaving the cloister, 1. T'was an old chapel, and a sunny ray gleamed through the window's tracery of stone, and fell upon a monk who sat alone upon the altar steps. From evening grey he there had watched till night had passed away, but now he rises, and the cowl and gown, all but the cross, with reverence slow lays down, then, with a freer step, goes forth his way. Egbert's last son, he must not tarry there. Once more in life again he takes his place. But the heart's conflict hath been long and drear, and marked with deeper lines his pallid face. For nature's voice, that whispered he did right, oft he had thought a demon's in that night. 45. Ethelwulf's first wife was Osberga, the daughter of Oslac, his cupbearer. She was the mother of Alfred the Great, and a woman of intellect and virtue, but she died when her celebrated son was a child. 
the Northmen, though often repulsed, continued to make frequent incursions. 853. King Ethelwulf sent his son Alfred to Rome. 855. This year the heathen men for the first time remained one winter in Sheppey, and the same year he, Ethelwulf, went to Rome in great state and dwelt there twelve months, and then returned homewards, and Charles, King of the Franks, gave him his daughter to wife. Anglo-Saxon Chronicle Ethelwulf two. Arouse thee, Ethelwulf, it is no time for monkish dreams. Not thus thy father dreamed, irresolute, when o'er the ocean streamed the Northmen's banners. Want, distrust, and crime are hovering o'er thy land, and in their prime fate dooms thy sons to die. All save that one, who calmly mounting on the shattered throne, shall make it, like himself, time-honoured and sublime. I see beside thee kneel a princely child, thy youngest, best beloved, and o'er his head thy hands are stretched to bless. Loving and mild, he bends before thee. Then there comes the tread of armed attendants, and to wondrous Rome they bear the young chief from his island home. 46. When Wiglaf, who had been allowed to retain Mercia as a tributary vassal of Egbert, heard of the death of the noble-minded but unfortunate Ethelberga, who had sheltered him in her cell at Croyland. He was so overcome by grief that it brought on sickness that confined him to his bed, and it was with difficulty that he could be withdrawn from her grave. In her tomb he buried his wife and son. The Tomb of Ethelberga Thy story conjures up a thousand things of mournful gentleness. True woman, thou of the brave heart, the sad but thoughtful brow, how to the human all the human clings, for while the echo of past warfare rings upon the ear as discord, sweetly steals the tone that aught of mortal love reveals, or grateful sorrow's soft rememberings. A truest shrine was thy low tomb, for there love buried its best treasures, and such tears as men alone can weep bedewed it. Rare were such pure drops amid the strifes and fears of that dark age. Aye, they are rare e'en now, though fashion frames soft words and smooths the brow. 47. A.D. 837. And the same year, Ethelhelm, the elder man, fought against the Danish army at Portland Isle, with the men of Dorset, and for a good while he put the enemy to flight. But the Danish men had possession of the field, and slew the elder man. Saxon Chronicle In AD 868, Algar and five other chiefs, with a few followers, had by their valour and skill nearly defeated the Danes, when the rash bravery of their men involved them all in destruction. They had devoted themselves by a religious ceremony to die for their country, and all perished. Anglo-Saxon Patriots Who sleep beneath thy earth, my native land? The wise, the brave, who gladly died for thee. How many perished, ere thou couldst be free? In the far distant past I see a band of Saxon Patriots, like a bullock stand against the Danish hordes, till 
one by one, hewed down but unsubdued, they all are gone. That place is holy as Thermopylae. There waves the yellow corn, and a clear rill goes singing on beneath the summer skies. And children wander at their own wild will, free as the wind that fans them as it flies. But if no suffering there had ever been, far other sights than these our eyes had seen. End of part five.